We are in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. That's lesson 4 in your books. Lesson 4 in your books. Again, we're looking at the Proverbs that Solomon has written. And we're going to look specifically at the value of seeking wisdom. We've talked about wisdom, the call to heed wisdom. Now we're going to see the value of it. Why do you and I need to have wisdom? Now let's just remind ourselves a little bit here. What is wisdom? Anybody? What is wisdom? Okay, knowledge. Okay, that, that's a good answer, but, we, but it has to be qualified. Anybody else? What is wisdom? Okay, making right choices. Okay. Anybody else? Life experiences. Okay, that could have a part of being, having wisdom. Okay, knowing how to use what wisdom that you have wisely. What were you going to say, Gene? Discernment. Wisdom is having an understanding about life. Having an understanding about life. So when you want to seek wisdom, you want to have an understanding about how to live life. Now, the reason why I said we have to qualify knowledge, because you have met folks who have a lot of knowledge... But they don't know how to live life. Have you ever met folks like that? Yeah, they have a lot of knowledge. In fact, Gene said they have no common sense. So knowledge, just simply for knowledge, is what? Meaningless. You know, meaningless. So we need to recognize that. So let's look at chapter 2 now and look at verses 1 to 6 and we're going to see the pursuit of of wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So let's look, first of all, the pursuit of wisdom. So in verses 1 to 4 there, we're going to see the admonition to pursue wisdom. So here's the first thing. Once again, Solomon calls his son to pursue wisdom. Here, if you need to in your books... Put a star by that. And again, near that star, write, this is my calling. This is my calling. Solomon is telling his son, son, pursue wisdom. Now, this is Rehoboam that he's writing to. The chances are that Rehoboam is not a teenage boy he's talking to. Rehoboam actually came to the throne when Solomon died at around in his 40s. Rehoboam was in his 40s. So the chances are is that when this is being written, Rehoboam is somewhere between his 20s and his 40s. To us, that is what? Adulthood. And so he's saying to him, as an adult, to his son, 
Pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. See, that's our calling. Never ever get to the place where you think that you've arrived. I don't care how many years you've been stomping around this earth. Never ever get to the place where you think you know it all. That you've got all the experiences that you need to know to handle everything. Because you don't. There's not a one of us here. Now, we, we all have different levels of wisdom here. Some of you have experienced things that I have not experienced. I have experienced things that you have not experienced. And so, we all have differing, differing levels of wisdom among us. But that doesn't mean, like, if I have a little bit greater understanding of what it is in this one area than you, that doesn't mean I've arrived. doesn't mean I've arrived. Or if you have wisdom in one area that I don't, it doesn't mean that you've arrived. Does everybody understand? We all learn from each other. I learn from you. You know, yes, my role as pastor is to instruct and to teach you, but there's a lot of times I will learn from you. I will learn from you. As I see what God is doing in your life, I learn lessons. I learn lessons. So we should never think that we've arrived. And like Solomon says to his son, Solomon is saying to you and I, Pursue wisdom. Make that a lifelong quest. Make that a lifelong quest. Because let's be honest, what, what is true wisdom found in? We talked about it last week. True wisdom is found in what? Yes, God, the fear of the Lord. In fact, just look back briefly at chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So let me ask you something. Does everybody here, can somebody here tell me that they know everything there is to know about God? Everybody got their hand up? I better take mine down. Nobody here can say that, can we? Let's say you live 90 some years and you're getting ready to die. Can you say at that point that you have learned everything there is to know about God? Anybody? No. See, you are always not going to know everything. You're not always going to have wisdom to the fullest extent. Even when you go to heaven and you see God, you're always going to be constantly learning. Constantly learning. Constantly learning. So pursue wisdom. Make that a goal in your life. That's your calling. Okay, now here's what, it's, here's what else he says. Wisdom, getting wisdom involves openness, Retention, hearing, applying, requesting, and searching. Notice how he says this. And treasure my commands within you. Treasure them. Incline your ear to wisdom. Look at verse 2. And apply your heart to understanding. Verse 3. If you cry out for discernment. Crying out is a, is a desperate search. Lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver. One of my kids, Sawyer, I, I love I love Sawyer. Sawyer's, Sawyer's got an ability that I wish I had. He can walk around, it doesn't matter where it is, and he'll see, oh, a quarter, boom, he picks it up. I'm serious. Every time we go out, he's finding money on the ground. In fact, the other day, Foster and I were at Gates and Foster bought something there, and as we're coming out, he drops a dime. And I said, where'd that dime go? 
Where'd that dime go? And Foster says, we need Sawyer. Because <laughs> he's attuned to, to finding money, you know? He li- and he has been that way for several years now. We need to be attuned to wisdom. We need to seek wisdom, that the proverb is saying here, like you would seek wisdom. In fact, he goes on and says this, and search for her as for a hidden treasure. Like, for instance, if somebody laid in your lap a map, an old map, and said, there's $100,000 that somebody buried 20 years ago on this piece of property, what would you do with that map? Would you go looking for it? You see what I'm saying? You'd go looking for it, wouldn't you? Why? Because you want what? The excitement? No, you want the $20,000. See, you've got to have that same kind of attitude about seeking wisdom. You've got to search for it. So getting wisdom involves openness. You've got to be open to wisdom. You've got to be teachable. It involves retention, retaining it. Don't just let it, you know, just, just, just let it hit you and bounce off of you. A lot of times when we, we learn through experiences, you know, somebody will tell us something and it's just like, okay, and we just let it fall to the ground. We just let it fall to the ground. We gotta be able to retain it. We gotta hear it. Not just with our physical ears, but we need to hear it with our hearts. We gotta hear it with our hearts. And then we've got to apply it. Because let me let me explain something to you. How many of you know something? If you've told people what they need to do, and you were trying to give them some wisdom, trying to give them some guidance, and they said, "Oh yeah, yes, that's good, that's good," but they never did it. What did you think about those folks when you gave them that kind of advice and they didn't take it? What did you think about them? If they just didn't do it, foolish. Proverbs has another word from simple, but foolish is another one, okay? What else did you think about them? Would you give them advice again? Probably not. Probably not. Because wisdom is not just hearing it. Wisdom is what? Application. Putting it into practice. So if I'm facing a situation that I don't know how to handle... And I go to Mike and I say, Mike, you know, I think you went through this a few years ago. Can you tell me what I need to do? And Mike says, you know, George, yep, I faced the same situation. And here's the lessons I learned. I made some mistakes. I want to save you from making the mistakes that I made. And here's here's the principles that I learned. And this will help get you through that situation. And I say, oh, yeah, good, Mike. That's wonderful, wonderful. But then I leave Mike's. I don't listen to anything he tells me. And I go through it, and I go through the meat grinder because I didn't listen to Mike. Mike was lovingly trying to share wisdom with me to keep me from getting hurt like he maybe got hurt. And I didn't listen to him. What's that say about me? You said it. What did you say, Jean? No, she said, stupid. It's not a reflection on Mike. I can't blame Mike. I can't say, why did Mike make me do it? I can't make Mike did what he was supposed to do and share. It's whether or not I apply it. So, you know, it's applying it. It's requesting from God for wisdom. It's searching for it. That's what getting wisdom involves. It's not just 
I wonder how I'm going to get wisdom. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. You've got to want wisdom. Wisdom is to be pursued. Hey, isn't it interesting that the Proverbs describes wisdom always as a woman? Did you notice that? Do you ever notice that Proverbs is always described as a woman? Women like to be pursued. Guys, do you remember when you were dating your honey? She didn't just fall over flat for you. You know, she just said, you had to pursue her. I mean, and you know what? And you like to pursue. You like to pursue. You like to pursue. You like to be pursued. See, that's what wisdom is. You have to pursue wisdom. Think of it like 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 your honey. Hey, can I be honest with you? You need to pursue her now too. Not wisdom, but your wife. Okay. Not wisdom, but your wife. Okay. Here's what he's saying: Effort must be expended for one to become wiser. You know what? You're not going to put the Bible under your pillow and say, "Soak into my brain." It isn't going to happen. You've got to expend energy. You've got to expend energy for wisdom. You've got to make it your goal. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus said this in several parables. He talked about the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure in a field. And then he reburies it and he goes and sells all that he has to what? Buy the field. Or a man who finds a pearl of great worth and he sells all that he has so he can what? Get the pearl. That's what the kingdom of God is like. See, it's the same parallel here. You want spiritual growth in your life? You want wisdom in your life? It isn't just going to happen by osmosis. You've got to pursue it. You've got to make an effort Expend some energy for that relationship with God to grow in wisdom. You've got to do it. It isn't just going to happen. Well, I've been saved for 20 years now, and I want to grow. Really? Show me you want to grow. Show me. Words are cheap. Aren't they? Words are cheap. So effort must be expended for one to become wise. Now, look at the benefit of knowledge. The benefit of knowledge. Here's the result of pursuing knowledge. The result of pursuing knowledge is this. Pursuing wisdom leads a person leads to a person understanding the fear of the Lord. Pursuing wisdom leads to a person understanding the fear of the Lord. See, if you begin to pursue wisdom... And let's just talk for a moment. Wisdom always is coupled with an understanding of who God is. And so when I pursue wisdom, it's going to give me an understanding of the fear of God. It's going to give me a fear of God. It's going to give me an understanding of who He is. An understanding of who He is and His awesomeness in our lives. And that there's no one else like Him. 
Hey, some of you are saying, man, I wish my relationship with God was deeper. I wish my relationship, I wish God would just show Himself to me. Can I be honest with you? The reason why is not you're not pursuing Him. You're not expending the energy to get to know Him. God will reveal Himself to you through His Word, through creation, through, through answered prayers. He will, he will reveal Himself to you, but He's got to see that you sincerely want to know Him. Again, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And so, pursuing wisdom leads to, leads a person, to a person understanding the fear of the Lord. And now here's the benefactor. Here's, here's the source of wisdom. The Lord is the source of wisdom. The Lord is the source of wisdom. True wisdom is only going to come from one person. Who? God. God. He's the source of wisdom. Hey, isn't it interesting? Let's just kind of flip over in our minds. If you want to, you can flip over. James chapter 1. What does the writer James tell us? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of his buddy. Seek it from his mama. What does he say? Ask of God. Who gives what? Liberally and without partiality. Wisdom comes from who? God. Some of you right now, you're in a situation... You don't know what to do. You don't know what to, you don't know how to handle a certain circumstance. You need wisdom for the thing that you're facing. Can I be honest with you? Chances are you're not seeking it from the person that you need to seek it from because you're seeking it from your friends and they're all calling you. And listen, well, here's what happens when you call a friend. I call Gary. Gary tells me one thing. Oh wow, I got some wisdom there. I call Bruce. Bruce tells me his wisdom, but it's not the same as Gary's. Let's say I call everybody in this room over here. Chances are there might be some who give the same advice as Gary, some who give the same advice as Bruce, but I might end up with ten different opinions. Now I need wisdom, not just for the situation, I need wisdom to figure out the wisdom. Isn't that what we do? We actually get more confused. And the one person who can give us wisdom, what? We don't go to. We don't ask. And James is very clear. What? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of God. And now something. If I ask Bruce for wisdom, he might hold out on me. Because maybe he doesn't like me. And maybe he thinks, well, if I only give him partial wisdom, he might, I might get my dig in at him. With God... He, the Scripture says very clearly He gives liberally, so He gives freely, and without partiality. He does it without any concern of who you are because He sees everyone the same. He sees everyone the same. Isn't that an awesome thought? So God, the Lord, is the source of wisdom is what Solomon is telling us here. So now let's notice the moral benefits of wisdom. So He's going to tell us what the moral benefits are. We're going to look at verses 7-10. through 10. The moral benefits. Look at verse 7. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. 
Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. So, three things I want you to see here about the moral benefits. First of all, God has stored up wisdom as a protection for his saints. God has stored up wisdom as a protection for you and I as believers. It's a protection for us. So, when God shows me something in His Word, again, He's not trying to be a cosmic killjoy in your life. He's not trying, He's not sitting up there and saying, Oh my, how can I make Kamalowski's life miserable today? Oh, I'll come up with some things he can't do. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, here's the point. That's our concept of God. Wrong concept of God. Wrong concept of God. When God tells us not to do something, He's telling it for what? Our own good. He wants to protect us. He wants to spare us misery. He wants to spare us self-destruction. He wants to spare us. So, what we see there then is that God is sort of wisdom as a protection for a saint. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Wisdom allows you to discern what is right and wrong. Wisdom allows you to discern what is right and what is wrong. Without wisdom, you don't know what's right and what's wrong. Listen, if you're operating by the culture, tell me about the culture. Have you noticed our culture? Today, and let's be honest, how many of you remember 50 years ago, what were the Boy Scouts thought of in our country? 50 years ago, what were the Boy Scouts thought of in our country? Yes, I remember watching Disney movies and you'd always see a Boy Scout walking an old lady across the street in a Disney movie. That was an awesome thing. What about today? I mean, in our community, they still have a value on the Boy Scouts, but for our culture, the culture, Boy Scouts have now become the bad guys. So can you go by culture? Because culture will change what's right and what's wrong. How many of you would have ever thought that you would have watched a reality TV show about one guy and maybe three or four wives? Because he belonged to some sect of the Mormon church. Would that have even been something you would have watched 20 years ago? Why? Because it's wrong to have more than one wife. Now, it's up for grabs. So you can't go by culture. Wisdom allows you to discern what's right and what's wrong. Wisdom based where? On the scripture. On God. On God. Okay, now let's notice something. Then here's the other point he wants to make on the benefit. Wisdom makes its home in the inner life and is pleasant to the soul. Wisdom does not make its home here. Does everybody understand? It does not make its home in your cranium. Wisdom, in its essence, makes its home here. In your heart. And I'm not talking about the muscle. Okay? 
It makes its home in your inner being. So, it'll be pleasant to you. Alright? Now, let's continue on now. Look at the protection of wisdom from immoral people. Look at verse 11 through 22. And we're going to spend the rest of our time here. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you and deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things. From those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of wicked, of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Okay, let's spend the rest of our time here about the protection. Here's the first of all, a general statement he gives us in verse 11 and that's this. The general statement is this. God protects and the discretion he gives also protects. God protects and the discretion he gives also protects. So, God is going to protect you, but he's also going to give you wisdom to help you for protection. He's going to give you discretion. He's going to give you discretion. He's going to give you discretion. Now, verses 12 to 15, he's going to talk about protection from wicked men. Protection from wicked men. Wisdom will protect you from those who harm others with actions and words. Wisdom will protect you from those who harm others with action and words. You'll know to stay away from them. When you see how they treat other people through their actions and through their words, wisdom will will put a big red flag up and say, you don't need to associate with these people. You need to get away from these people. If you get in, put your lot in with these people, you're going to bring nothing but harm to yourself. Hey, some of you know what I'm talking about. You ever been with a group of people, and if you weren't careful who you associated with, let's say you associated with somebody who, in its essence, was wicked, involved themselves in actions and words that were not right, if you were associated with them too much, even though you didn't do the same things that they do, what do other people think about you? What? Yeah, you're going to be the same. Lou said you're going to be the same type of person like them. It's called guilt by what? By association. See, wisdom tells you don't hang out with them. Don't hang out with them. Don't hang out with them. So then notice now the purpose of the wicked. Their purpose is to walk in the ways of darkness. Their purpose is to walk in the ways of darkness. That's what the wicked want to do. The wicked just want to walk in darkness. They want to do their own thing for their own self, period. The purpose is to walk in the ways of darkness. And notice, their pleasure. 
Their delight is in doing what is morally wrong. They enjoy doing it. You and I have met folks like that. They just get a high, a rush out of doing what's wrong. They enjoy hurting people. They enjoy stealing. They get pleasure out of doing what is morally wrong. They get pleasure out of it. Now, you and I, it's hard for us to fathom because when we do wrong, we get convicted of our sin. But you know what? You've got to understand something. They're the wicked. Do they have the Holy Spirit within them convicting them? No. No, they don't. They get a perverse enjoyment out of it. A perverse enjoyment out of it. Some of you have seen this just in the last few weeks with a guy who got arrested for the dog fighting thing. You and I are disgusted by that. But what does it say? The wicked, what? They get pleasure in it. They get pleasure in it. So notice now, the perversion of the wicked. The perversion of the wicked. The wicked are twisted and devious in the path they follow. They're twisted and wicked. They're devious. And then notice verses 16 through 19. We're going to talk about protection from the immoral woman. I want you to notice something now. You're going to see this theme come up several times in the first nine chapters. Y'all have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. There's a Proverbs 7 woman. A Proverbs 2 woman. A Proverbs, I think, 5 woman. We're going to see it several times over. It's the adulterous woman. And that's who he's going to talk about here. Wisdom will protect you from this woman. And I should say, in our modern thinking today, will protect you from this man, too. It's not just woman. Because there are unfaithful men as well. So notice what he says. Here's his description of this woman, of the seductress. He says this. She is described as immoral and one who flatters with words. She is described as immoral and one who flatters with her words. That's the kind of woman she is. She's a flatterer. Okay? Here's the other one, verse 17. He describes her marital self, her description as a wife, and that she is, what, she is described as one who is not committed to her husband, so she's not committed, and she's not committed to God. Here, let me give you, let me just say something to you. I, I have friends who are pastors, I've been pastoring for a long time. Now, I have seen it. This is a common discussion among pastors. And it has to do with, I'll use a man who's unfaithful and a girlfriend. And you'll have a talk with them, and the girlfriend can't see it. She's blind. Because she's in love. And so, there's this jerk, and let's just call him, that's what he is, He's being unfaithful to his wife to be with her, and she's enamored with her. And you sit and you talk to her, and pastors will do this. They'll say, do you realize he's unfaithful to his wife? Yes, but we're in love. Do you realize he's not going to change? 
So he gets with you. And guess what? He'll do it to you. Oh, he'll never do it to me. And then I've seen it. They'll get married and guess what? She comes and says, I don't trust him. Duh. That's the seductress. Or the seductorer. They are, I should put they instead of she, they are described as one who is not committed to their spouse or to God. They couldn't care less about God. They couldn't care less about Him. They couldn't care less what God wants. All they know is what they want. What they want. Now, let me just say, just a side note here. Don't let culture deceive you. Culture says, oh, it's okay, just do it. Wonderful, have a great time. But you notice the people who say that, if it happened to them, I could almost guarantee you how they're going to feel. It's wrong. It's wrong. Because you can't get away from it. You can't get away from how wrong it is. So then notice now, the ruin of the woman, he's going to just flat out describe her ruin. Because it is a ruin. And not just of the woman, but of her suitor. Look with me, verse 18 through 19, he talks about what happens to them. Those who commit themselves to adultery with her take the path of death. Now, let me just explain to you that word death there describes a general sense of death to the community as well as physical death. Not just talking about physical death, but you have to remember now, the Jewish people were a people of community. And to take this path was not just to die a physical death, meaning that maybe you might get a, an STD, a, you know, a sexually transmitted disease, or maybe the husband will kill you. But the reality is, is with, there would be a death that would take place within the community. And, you know, even up into, even still today, even still today, if you are one who steals another person's spouse or whatever, even though we're, quote, in a tolerant culture, I can almost guarantee you, I've seen it. Ladies don't have any what? They don't have any toleration for a woman like that. Right? Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Guys, you don't have any toleration for a guy who steals another man's woman, right? Oh, you'll be gracious, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I, I, I don't know that I care for that. See, there, there's a death that takes place. A death that takes place in community. Okay, let's finish up, because we're going to talk now about the enablement for righteous living, then, because it protects us from the wicked, it protects us from the seductress. Notice now, verse 20 to 22, three things there concerning the enablement. And we'll just go through them real quick. Wisdom allows you allows your walk in a, allows you to walk in a way should be allows you to walk in a way that is marked by doing right it should be allows you to walk in a way that is marked by doing right wisdom allows you to walk in a way that is marked by doing right wisdom will guide you in doing what's right seek it here's the blessing of the just the righteous will dwell in the land of blessing. 
If you do what God tells you to do, if you seek wisdom, if you apply it to your life, you're going to dwell in the land of blessing. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Don't listen to the guy on the TV that says blessing is a big bank account and health. That's not what blessing means. Blessing can mean that, but oftentimes it is just a sense of rightness before God. A sense of position before Him and knowing that He has, you're in a right relationship with Him. A blessing. And then notice the judgment of the wicked. He's got to just finish it out and he says, this is what happens to the wicked. The wicked will be rooted out in judgment. The wicked will be rooted out in judgment. Reminds me of a story, maybe I've shared this with you before, about a farming community. And there was a well-to-do farmer in the community. And he didn't care about God. He didn't go to church. In fact, he farmed on Sunday. And he would ridicule the other farmers in the area around him. Come harvest time, he reaped a bountiful harvest. And so he took out a full-page ad in the paper, the local paper, mocking the Christians and saying, you know, how good is your God? You know, if you had just done what I'd done, you would too would have had a bigger harvest or whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know, what's the sake of following your God? You know, just went on the whole diatribe and took out the ad. A week later, it was a little column in the paper somebody had taken out and it said this, just this. God doesn't settle accounts in October. God doesn't settle accounts in October. The wicked look like they get away with it. And some may even go to their death thinking that they get away with it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Everyone will bow the knee. Everyone will answer. Everyone must give an account. And so it may seem like now, but the principle is the wicked will be rooted out in judgment. The wicked will be rooted out in judgment. And you and I need to recognize that. Okay, we're done. Let's close our time in prayer and get ready for the morning worship service.